welcome to Ill-Equipped History, where today we're going to tell you a story in history, and we're going to do it from the same room. Uh, <laughs> we're in the same room! So if y'all don't know, we live about three hours apart from each other, and Morgan is in for Labor Day weekend. Woo-hoo. We're friends in real life, you guys. <laughs> I promise we are. <laughs> So, Morgan, I mean, I know how you are, but the audience doesn't. So, how are you? I'm so wonderful. It has been so great to be down here with you and your family and us just hanging out together and... My kids asking you all the questions. Every single question. I'm so tired. I'm tired, too. (laughs) I love your children so much. (laughs) Do you, too? You want to take them with you? No. No. We've had a fun day of let's see we started out fishing yeah just today we went fishing and then we went to, i got my pocket rock got i got <laughs> you got some rocks but hers is a pocket rock specifically only because i put it in my pocket and it's been there <laughs> literally since 10 a.m <laughs> i got my pocket rock she's been showing her family she's very proud <laughs> it's a striped rock <laughs> And then we went to her parents' house and hung out at the pool and yeah. just there was a, a shrimp boil and yeah. yeah, it was a good time. It was a good day. And uh, now that we're actually in person, it may be harder for us to stay on track because we just feed off each other's crackhead yeah. energy. So listen, my abs hurt from laughing <laughs> all weekend. She's only been here since Friday. It is Sunday. I need her to go home because I'm in pain. <laughs> Not yet. You can't get rid of me that easily. In all honesty, you could just move in. I'd be sure. fine. That's fine. Cool. I don't know how Nick would feel about two wives, but <laughs> I am a third child. Let's That's be real. True. That's true. He bought me stickers today at the store. I was about to say he just like slid them on the counter. Like, thanks, Dad. So please move in. <laughs> we'll both just torture him. God, that poor man. He can only he can barely handle me. I'm a handful alone. I know that. <laughs> he must be a glutton for punishment after 13 years. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Oh boy. We do have an episode today. We do. It's not just us talking about ourselves. <laughs> It could be though. It could be. Y'all just y'all just want to listen to us talk. Yeah. For an hour. Let us know in the comments <laughs> of your social media of choice. Yeah. <laughs> Send us an email. Anyway. Anywho. Okay, so we're let's do the skit and then maybe we can be on track. Okay. Sounds today. good. Maybe. Okay. The wind blows the grasses in the hot fields of Western Australia in November 1932. Major G.P.W. Meredith motions for the two soldiers with him to slowly crawl closer to the elusive enemy that's in their sights close to a watering hole. My God, there has to be a thousand of them. Get as close as you can and then fire on them before they see us. We will get them this time, boys. You got it, mate. Now! 
kiss my ass and flat with shit. Say hello to my little friend, Lewis. You eat your last crate of wheat, motherfucker. Ha-ha, motherfucker! That's not what they sound like, mate. They had killed about a dozen of them when the firing suddenly stopped. What happened, men? Shit, the guns are jammed! No, they're getting away! Just as the guns were back in working order, the last of the emus runs to the cover of the brush. This wasn't the first or the last attempt to kill a large number of these flightless birds. It was, however, one of the more unsuccessful attacks during what is known as the Great Emu War. Morgan, <laughs> I know you know about this. I do. Because it was one of the first things that I sent you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm totally doing this for the podcast. And yep. this was before we even like started recording. Yeah. And I can't believe it's taken me this long. I, I'm, I am also surprised it's taken you this long. Because, yeah, this is, yeah. it's nuts. And I, I've known about this for a while because I love the show Drunk History. And they did an episode on this. And it was very funny. <laughs> well, I watched, um, I think it was, what, Oversimplified Oh yeah. video, and it was hilarious. So mm-hmm. I'm sitting in a coffee shop doing that, trying not to laugh out loud while watching a video of emus being shot. So oh. there's, yeah, I know. <laughs> At least it was like cartoons. Yeah, emus. Oversimplified is cartoons, so that, that helps. Yeah. yeah, it's better than me reading that Davy Crockett book and my arm is out. <laughs> flailing around while i'm trying to understand all over the place apparently i have to move for my brain to work (laughs) i am my own hamster (laughs) sorry guys i'm laughing at her laughing (laughs) just so fucking funny (laughs) i'm really trying just how my brain works. You're your own hamster. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay. Okay, so we're going to, I'm just going to get into this. Mm-hmm. I feel so derailed already just at looking at your face, your wonderful, beautiful face. In person. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm in 3D. Why am I so nervous? <laughs> Why are you nervous? I'm gonna cry. It's just uh, me. I know. Okay. I'm in a different environment. We're in the basement instead of my closet, and I think I felt safe in my closet. You're exposed in your basement. Oh my god. There's so much room. I need I need my pants beside me to think. Okay. Okay. So the Great Emu War, guys. And I'm going to say a disclaimer before we get into anything. There is going to be talks of, uh, I mean, animal cruelty. So they were out there to kill emus. And yeah. Us here at Ill-Equipped History do not condone this kind of wildlife control. It is. No. This happened a hundred years ago. Again, they were wilding out in the early. 1900s the whole different mindset there are way better ways to do population control or in this case 
Um, they were destroying a lot of crops, so there are different ways to keep them out. We do not condone this. I am just telling the story. So, anywho, uh, while doing research, I did find, and I just made Morgan watch the trailer to this movie, A it's a 30-minute short movie, and if you guys can, please go watch this movie. It's called 1932, The Great Emmy War. It's just on YouTube, and it's it's giving... Like if Jurassic Park was a B-rated movie, mm-hmm. but it with Australian accents and emus that somehow were exploding people, like they shot back somehow. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> like there was a whole scene, people were being exploded. I don't know how. Yeah. The birds weren't armed. <laughs> they were winged, but they weren't armed. <laughs> scenes like the general or whatever who had been hammered by the way um he pulled the pin on a grenade and it's like over him he's laying on his back he knows he's gonna die because of an emu apparently and he yells burn in hell you flightless fuck (laughs) and then everything explodes i laugh so hard that's very funny so if y'all think that i was almost late picking up my kids because i watched this movie you're right i was like by the time i was done i was like oh shit i gotta go my bad so yeah do highly suggest you watching that it has no historical accuracy no at all it's just funny. Yeah. It looks like, because um, I watched the trailer right before this, and it does look like it's something homemade. Like, it yeah. wasn't like this big production company making a documentary. No. It's like a bunch of people just having a fun time making a really silly But honestly, video. it was really good quality. Yeah, like, it's it very was, good I'm quality. I'm impressed. Yeah. I'm really impressed. So, uh, let's get into kind of the environment of australia before this took place so you know why they decided to go after their national bird that is their national bird and they waged war on themselves basically (laughs) so post-world war one um soldiers were coming back and australia decided that in um the the western part of australia they would do the soldier settler scheme so they would give the the soldiers plots of land where they could become farmers and hopefully get on their feet a little better but it it was kind of doomed from the beginning not just from the emus it was um there was a drought in the early 1930s in australia and it was killing the wheat and the the commodity prices went high so then they were having to try to grow more to make up for price changes and such right and apparently there were really bad rabbit infestations oh, man. in australia so the rabbits would eat the wheat and then the droughts killing everything mm-hmm. and if you pull up the weekly skit again and go down i put a map of australia yes and 
So we're looking at, there's the northern, the southern, we're looking at the western okay. territory. And the emus typically like to live more in the center. Okay. Of but Australia of or Australia. of the western? Of Australia. So, you know, the western Australia is huge. I did mm-hmm. not know it was broken up like this. But they showed up from, okay, so they came from central Australia and they moved down into kind of the, it's the western southern part. So like Meridian. I think that's how you say that. Meriden. Sorry, guys. I'm trying. <laughs> um, so they showed up around there and there were 20,000 emus. That's a lot. And they move according to rainfall and where they can get water because they need daily water right. to survive. They're not one of those animals I can just go a week without drinking water. They need it every day. So they actually... And I'm skipping ahead just a little bit because I will get into the way that they live. They'll watch storm clouds and they'll actually follow storm clouds and they'll be like, oh, well, the rain's going that way. So the drought was pushing them towards the coasts. Mm, So they were going for the water on the coast because that's more likely where they're going to find. I know it's salt water, but like. There's still like rivers and rivers and tributaries and stuff like that. So these birds are huge. 20,000 emus showed up east of Meriden from Central Australia. Also, scroll down and you'll just, you'll see what that, I mean, that's probably a thousand of them. Yeah, that's that's a lot of emus. So many. And for those of y'all who don't know what an emu is, there might be somebody out there. They are very large, flightless birds that are related to an ostrich. Now, they are smaller than an ostrich. I thought they were the same size, but you can tell there's a chart size comparison. They get up to five foot eight or 1.75 meters tall. That's very specific. Like 5.8 or five. Five foot eight, eight inches. inches. That's like the max. That's very specific. Yeah. I think they they might get a little taller. That might okay. be their average. Just the average. Because okay. someone said that, mentioned that they were like six foot tall, which honestly is only a couple inches, but yeah. whatever. Um, they are great swimmers, and they have big necks and legs, and they have little bitty wings. So that's why they're flightless. Mm-hmm. So where do they live? They live in the eucalyptus forest, woodlands, um, heathland, heathland, uh, desert shrublands, and sand plains. So vast yeah. areas. Yeah. Um, and they come in, they can come into the desert after heavy rains. Okay. So they think that the emu migration is a result of human agriculture. So they kind of stayed where they were at for the most part Mm -hmm. until they realized that, oh, hey, there's a permanent water source over here because of the agriculture, because they're trying to, um, grow the wheat and stuff. Right. Irrigation and all that. The irrigation. Exactly. So the introduction of the artificial and permanent water sources, also for the cattle and the sheep as well, allowed them to flourish in these areas that they weren't able to flourish in before. And they would travel up to hundreds of miles to find food and water. Wow. Like in a day or like in a... It said because they have to have daily access to water. Wow. It kind of hinted that it was a day, but I could see, I mean, they got big old legs. Yeah. They're running. 
They quit. Fast as fuck, boy. <laughs> I knew. I, I can't, can't stop. You were going to say that. So their migration patterns follow recent rainfall by looking at the rain clouds, listening to thunder, and smelling the rain. Oh, okay. Which is interesting. Also, that brings up a thing. I was talking to somebody one day, and I was like, man, it smells like rain out here. And yeah. they were like, what? No, you can smell rain. Yeah. And I was like, is this what a, is this a country thing? Because I'm out in the, it's like, I just thought this was a normal thing. No, I can smell rain. You can. There's totally literally a name rain. for, like, the earth after rain. It's called petrichor. That's interesting. Yeah, and it's the name of the smell of earth after rain. Well, there's nothing better than the smell of rain, honestly. Okay, anywho. So, what do they eat? The thing. <laughs> I probably know what they eat. The things that farmers don't want them to get into, right? <laughs> All the things that they don't. <laughs> so, seeds, fruits, flowers, and young shoots. So, mostly just the most nutritious part of the plant. Um, insect and small vertebrae, when available. And they will not eat the dry grasses or the mature leaves. So, they want, like, the fresh wheat so once it's dried out they won't eat it yeah they want it alive (laughs) (laughs) why did i say it like that alive Alive. (laughs) so this is the dumbest thing i've ever heard and i know it's for a really good reason but emus ingest large pebbles up to 1.6 ounces or 45 grams to help their gizzards grind up food oh Okay. Which is cool, but also, Got sir, you're eating, rocks. Rocks. <laughs> you're eating rocks. You're eating rocks. He would eat my pocket rock. <laughs> I'll keep it safe. <laughs> Do not take pocket rocks to Australia. <laughs> Emu will eat it. They will get it. They will find it. They survived the Emu War. They will find it. <laughs> they, they blew up soldiers, obviously. Give me those pocket rocks. That was the whole thing. They just wanted the pocket rocks. (laughs) And they've also been known to eat charcoal. (laughs) Gotta do a detox. Listen. It's, um, they're just trying to, like, grill their food just in their (laughs) stomach already. (laughs) They've got the charcoal, they've got the coals. Now they just gotta Well, they got the fire in their belly already from the war. So... <laughs> oh my god. Is it hot in here? <laughs> you are looking a little sweaty. <laughs> so hot. Okay. So When food is abundant, they store large amounts of fat in their bodies and are able to use that while looking for more food. Okay. But it is the water that they need daily. Um, And they can lose up to 50% of their weight while searching for their next meal. Goodness. I wish I could do that. But then you would gain it back as soon as you ate again. Shit. (laughs) You have found a flaw. (laughs) Never mind. Maybe like you would need two separate wardrobes, like one for your starving days and one for your eating days. <laughs> well, I just wear athletic shorts typically anyway, so it'd be fine. 
That's fine. Gosh. Gosh, 50%. I would be a skeleton if I lost 50% of my body weight. Just bones. <laughs> just bones. <laughs> bones! <laughs> it's just bones! I am the bone man. <laughs> the bone woman. Keep talking about emus. It's okay. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, it's a reproduction. Um, I just I'm adding this in here because it's very interesting. The male incubates the egg. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. So if the female will like, okay, so the males make a nest. Okay. In their zone. Okay. Their area. Their bubble. And then the female will make noises and like come over to the males, and then they reproduce. Okay. But the nest can hold about 15 to 25 eggs and combined, they come from different females. Oh, okay. So he's getting it. So I don't know if you know this. So like the male will make the nest Mm -hmm. and then the female or multiple females will come over and they, they mate. Yes. How long does it take for fertilization of the egg? Is it like immediate, or will they like come back after a little while, and like, oh, you are the person, you are the emu that I mated with. I'm going to lay my egg in this nest. I don't know if you know. I don't know that. That was not. Sorry. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much it derails. No, I just was like, how does that after... work? I have no idea how egg fertilization Maybe works in birds. Does. The female will lay one egg approximately every three days. Oh, wow. Okay. The eggs can stay fertile for up to five weeks. So they're laying eggs regardless. Oh, okay. And then the male will fertilize the already there egg. Okay. So I guess fairly immediately. Okay. Because, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know anything about birds. Listen, I like history, not <laughs> ornithology. <laughs> yeah, I'm just glad you knew that word. <laughs> Do you know the only reason I know that word? Why? There is a movie with David Tennant and Catherine Tate called mm-hmm. um, it's like the Runaway Bride or something like that, mm-hmm. and um, the oh gosh, what is it like? One of the characters' husbands is an author, and their big thing is like they're writing a book series, a book called The Ornithologist's Wife. <laughs> <laughs> David Tennant is in, is in the most random things, and I love him for it. Have you seen him reading Shania Twain's I Feel Like a Woman as if it's slam poetry? Oh my God. We're looking that up when yeah. we're done with this. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. It's hilarious. Okay. Shania's sitting there too, listening to it. <laughs> oh my God. I know. Okay. Anyway, so different baby mamas. Okay. Male's when- sitting on the egg. He sits on this egg, on these eggs for 57 days. He doesn't drink. He doesn't eat. He doesn't use the bathroom. Oh, my God. Nothing. He's planted on these eggs. So some of the females will leave these territories. So I don't think they go anywhere once they mate. They kind of just huddle. Just kind of hang out. And then some of them will leave and mate with other males in other territories. Well, they're making laying eggs every three days. Right. I mean. Listen, they're getting it. Good for them. <laughs> and 
uh, some of them will stay behind to protect the males. Okay. And newborn emus weigh 15.5 to 17.6 ounces. Okay. So, so about a pound. Did you babies? Titana baby bird. Little baby bird. And, or that's 440 to 500 grams for y'all who aren't in the United States. I know we're weird. I'm sorry. Um, so the chicks stay close to the males for about seven months. And lost chicks are allowed to join other groups Aww. as long as they're smaller than the ones that are already there. Okay. So an older one can't join, but a, a same age or younger can join. Okay. So does the male, like, feed all of the chicks? I believe so. So many questions about <laughs> emus. <laughs> we're going to know so much about emus when we're done with this episode. They feed themselves. They come out eat feeding themselves. Oh, that's very interesting. Okay. Very self-sufficient. All right. It's probably how we ended up with 20,000 of them <laughs> <laughs> to oh, begin with. Probably. Yes. Okay. So, okay. So they are fully mature at two to three years of age, which I feel like is actually a long time. Yeah. Because a lot of, ant- like a, a dog is fully mature at about a year. Yeah. And some animals, it's like, I mean, like, cats are, like, six months, technically. Yeah. Like, they can start having kittens when they're, like, six months old or something, so. They're fully mature at two to three years of age, and they live five to ten years, which, again, is not a very long time, especially when the mature age isn't, like, a third of the way into their life. And I feel like birds are typically relatively long-lived. I know parrots can live, like, 20, 30 years. They do live longer in captivity. I don't know how much longer. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. Like, you're not around, like, predators or you have an abundance of food and water and shelter. So that makes sense. Well, now, hold on. This says emus typically live 10 to 20 years in the wild. And up to 25 years in captivity. Okay, so there's, there's a wide range. The oldest emu on record turned 58 in 2020. Holy shit. And lived on a family farm in Valencia Creek in Victoria, Australia. Oh, 58. <laughs> Damn. So they live up to 10 to 20 years in the wild, up to 25 years in captivity. So, so now that we know what an emu is and... All about emus. Yes. Except how much they weigh for some reason. Why did I not put that on here? (laughs) They're back to Google. (laughs) A lot of Google in this episode. I thought I was prepared. Get good. (laughs) Just be better. (laughs) Why did I spell way (laughs) W-A-Y? Okay, so a female... Weighs 82 pounds. And a male weighs 69 pounds. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) (laughs) So that is... And this is on Wikipedia, guys. So don't yell at me if it's wrong. An average of... Okay, so it's 31.5 kilograms and 37 kilograms respectively okay Okay. anywho so back to the situation at hand these 70 to 80 pound 
big ass dinosaur birds because mm-hmm. they are dinosaur yeah uh, descendants descendants thank you for that word you're welcome um are absolutely destroying these wheat fields because they're just tearing down the fences that mm. were one keeping the rabbits out yeah so now not only do you have these birds that are coming in and tearing down your fences so now the rabbits are coming in and eating all your wheat they're eating wheat but also they're squishing the shit out of the wheat they're stepping all over it and they i think it said for every one like pound of grain that they ate i think they squished five oh wow so it's just total destruction absolute destruction so and there's twenty thousand of them there's twenty thousand so these are former soldiers so what is their first instinct to do get a gun get a gun (laughs) call the military so the farmers asked for military aid because they thought it would be just the quickest way let's just kill the lot of them yeah just kill them all that's fine that's normal um so they asked the minister of defense george pierce who quickly agreed but didn't actually inform the military board in canberra first so they're like hey you're being deployed but not telling them it's to kill a bunch of emus yeah, they were just like, hey, so I'm just going to do this, and I'm not going to tell the higher-ups. Oh, just the higher-ups. I'm just going to... Just... just Okay. I'm going to do this. Yeah. Um. So, and he also sent a cinematographer with them to document the Emu Wars, and some think that he was going to use the film as a PR campaign to show the wheat farmers... That they were trying to do something about it. Okay. Because Western Australia was in talks of seceding at the time. Oh, okay. So he was trying to be like, no, 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 we're trying to help you. Mm-hmm. Please don't secede. Yeah. Don't leave us. Yeah. But Pierce apparently made the farmers sign contracts saying that the farmers would pay for the whole thing. And that he wasn't liable for shit if it went down. Damn. Okay. Now, when we say when we say war, we think it's a lot against a lot. Turns out it was just three dudes. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's what I, I mean. That's what I found. Yeah. I'm I like, mean, I'm sure. I'm sure you're right. <laughs> so it was just three guys. Going up against 20,000 emus. <laughs> Those are fair numbers. <laughs> so the 7th Heavy Battery of the Royal Australian Artillery arrived in Campion, Western Australia, which is about halfway between Perth and Kalgoorlie. And immediately when they got there, they spotted 40 to 50 emus. And this was November 2nd, 1932. See, I have it right here. There were two soldiers armed with uh, Lewis automatic machine guns. They had 10,000 rounds of ammo, which is interesting now that I'm thinking about it because there are 20,000 birds and they only had 10,000 rounds of ammo. Sir, that math don't add up. No. Um, 
and it was Sergeant McMurray and Gunner J. O. Halloran. And the company's commander was Major G.P.W. Meredith. And upon getting there, he ordered the men to shoot all that they saw. Mm -hmm. And during that day, they shot at thousands of birds. Thousands. Mm -hmm. But only managed to kill about a dozen of them. Wow. So emus are pretty bulletproof. <laughs> You're telling me. Oh, my God. So they realized that it was going to be so much harder than they imagined because they were initially, like, getting out of range. Mm-hmm. They they realized that, like, they... They run around. They're running, they're running around. <laughs> Y'all should see me right now. So they were running around. So Meredith was like, Y'all two surround them and drive them back this way but they didn't do that and they just scattered into the tree they were just like nope <laughs> going over here so they thought that they would be able to just you know mow them down with the machine guns right they're just birds yeah no no they they rarely ever gathered in large groups yeah, so they I mean, help if it's a machine gun. They have all of Australia to run around. All of Australia. <laughs> so they had to start setting up ambushes near the water sources and wait for like smaller groups to arrive. And then that tactic got them about 200 birds by November 8th. So was that like six days? Yeah. Okay. Six days. They, got, they killed about 200. But they used 2,500 rounds of ammo to kill those 200 birds. Wow, that's inefficient. And the birds had a tendency to warn the other birds. So they were smart as fuck. Yeah. Hey, don't go over here. Yeah, don't go over here. They just killed Jerry. (laughs) Not Jerry. Not Jerry. (laughs) Martha got a bullet in her ass. (laughs) Johnny's got a limp now, but he's oh, still no. fast. <laughs> so they were extremely hard to hit because they ran so fast. So emus can run about 45 miles an hour. Yeah. And we're talking about even if they had vehicles, because they tried this, they didn't have anything that was that fast. Okay. So. It was 1932. Yeah. So Meredith said, quote, it must be realized that an emu full out can do 45 miles per hour. Consequently, the target is, after the first burst, a very rapidly moving one and is only visible for a very short time. So they're like, what was it, Roadrunner? Yeah. It's like, maybe. Yep. (laughs) Thank you. Um, and they were also able to withstand most bullet hits without losing stride at all. Wow. Um, it's all those rocks they eat. They've made them bulletproof. Seriously. I mean, literally, they're made of rocks now. So <laughs> They've absorbed the stone. <laughs> they're one with it. They Emus are like a Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> like this, if a stone Pokemon and like a bird Pokemon came together. Emu. Emu. So he claimed that he once saw one of them run half a mile 
being fatally wounded. Wow. So this thing was literally like running basically dead. Yeah. For half a mile. Wow. And Major Meredith said, quote, if we had a military division with the bullet carrying capacity of these birds, it would face any army in the world. They can face machine guns with the invulnerability of tanks. You know what this means? War emus? Yes. Deploy the emus. (laughs) Emus with parachutes coming with little hats and uniforms. Walking beside tanks. You know people are riding the emus with guns. Have you seen the arms for chickens? (laughs) Like machine guns, (laughs) tactical units. (laughs) Please, there's so many of them. (laughs) They'd be a lot cheaper than tanks. And probably more deadly. Why didn't they use these during World War Two? <laughs> They're good swimmers too. <laughs> they could have fought the Pacific Theater. Front <laughs> lines in Europe. <laughs> you, can you imagine all an alternative history where you in tactical warfare. I'm just imagining, like, Normandy, but emus instead of people. <laughs> Running on the shores. <laughs> just... <laughs> My brain. Would <laughs> have been a good alternative. <laughs> So, oh man, Meredith spoke with a farmer once um, that was able to run one of these birds down in his truck. He, the smart farmer, got one and found five bullets in his body. Oh my god! Quote, which had evidently been there since the first operations. Oh my! So god. like they had started to like heal and stuff. Wow! And the birds just like, I'm just living, vibing. <laughs> I'm an emu. I've been shot. <laughs> so, so, a couple days later, they planned an operation to ambush them by a dam. And this plan failed so miserably because all these birds, like that picture that I showed you that I will put that one on the Instagram. Um, <laughs> they were all like gathered and they went to fire the machine guns. And because it's 1930, their shit broke. <laughs> So they like jumped out and were like Rah! and then the the guns jammed. <laughs> they just like ran off. <laughs> I was about to I was imagining like they're all like, oh no, our guns don't work and all the emus just like turn at them <laughs> and look at them like it's our turn now. <laughs> you know what I just thought? Bop bop motherfucker. <laughs> That's not even what they oh my god (sighs) so within the first week they were recalled they were like this isn't working yeah come back yeah come back 
Um, no human casualties. Thank goodness. All, all three men were, were well, they accounted were fine. for. Um, so in Parliament, they asked if there should be any medals for the conflict made. Right? But Federal Labor Parliamentarian A.E. Green stated that if any medal should be given, they should go to the emus who had won, quote, every round so far. I don't disagree. I don't either. So the farmers were like, wait, they're still here. We need help. Help me. So the birds continued to wreak havoc on the wheat fields flattening them pancake wheats and so the fields that had previously been producing six bags per acre were now only producing two wow i mean mass destruction so meredith and his merry men as reporters like to call them were back <laughs> meredith, <laughs> merry and men. Merry men. meredith and his, merry his two men. friends <laughs> we're going to save the wheat fields <laughs> Against the evil emus. <laughs> so, just after four days of their initial retreat, they were back. Okay. And this time they killed about 20 on the first day. But, because the birds are smart, they're, they're more wary now. Mm -hmm. They're like, ooh, I don't know about that. So the emus started intentionally getting out of they just figured out how far the guns could shoot oh my and God. they would just stay right outside that that's so crazy and the the soldiers figured out that there is always a leader in these flocks and i mean these soldiers were like we must learn the emu we must be <laughs> the emu to figure out what they're doing i'm just imagining them just like with their binoculars like looking at their behavior like we have become ornithologists <laughs> what are they doing <laughs> so he would the the leader of the flock would stand watch while the others eat and it's typically the biggest one mm-hmm and if he sees anything suspicious, he would give the signal and stand there while the others run away. Wow. It's so dramatic. Wow. But stand there while the others run away. And then when he's noticed that everyone's gone, he would go. Wow. Yeah. They're so smart. But the drought means that the birds were frantic yeah. for water. I mean, they, they need it every day. So this allowed for the water ambushing tactics to work the best. And Meredith and his Ben were killing, I think it was about 100 a week by the, I think it might have been more than that. But a source that I found said about 100 a week. Um, but not all that they were doing was working. Because imagine you've got a flock of, say, a 1,000. Mm -hmm. You managed to kill 10 of them. Mm -hmm. What are the other 900 and... 90 birds doing right running the fuck around on the wheat fields yeah so a 1953 newspaper stated that for every oh this is it for every one plant they eat they trample a hundred wow they're very wasteful yeah come on birds it's rude so uh murray johnson he's the author of the journal of australian studies i could not find that journal 
but I did find some quotes of his from that. Okay. It says, quote, it was highly probable that the machine gunners actually exacerbated the crop losses for every time the guns were being able to open fire, the birds scattered widely, trampling the maturing wheat as they desperately sought cover. Yeah. Like, I... And maybe this is how it ends. I'm, I don't remember. But, like, I feel like it would be easier to set traps, you know? Like, yeah. instead of just, like, shooting wildly at a bunch of birds that can run away, like, have some kind of tactic where you set traps for them, whatever whatever that looks like. I know it's 1932, so it's not likely not going to be humane traps, but anything anything better literally than any shooting wildly right now. into the australian outback at a bunch of very fast birds that run away fast bulletproof bulletproof birds <laughs> <laughs> they came equipped with their own bulletproof vests <laughs> built in the egg <laughs> i'm sorry i just thought of a helmet made out of an eggshell <laughs> Why? <laughs> okay, I'm done. So, so when the wheat crops were finally harvested, December 10th of 1932, so they've only been at this for a month and like six days, Meredith reported they had only killed 986 of them out that's, of 20,000. Yeah, that's not even, that's barely a dent. And they had used 9,860 rounds so that's they killed for every one bird killed it took 10 bullets i was about to say that's i was trying to do math in my head that's yeah okay. i got it right uh thank you. you're welcome you. yeah <laughs> uh <laughs> that ain't good that no ain't good that's very wasteful yeah so the defense minister george pierce earned the unofficial title of minister for the emu war <laughs> Everyone was just <laughs> roasting him. Oh my gosh! So I've got here's my my little titles. Third time's a charm. Okay. Um. So they never deployed the military again to kill the emus. Okay. But they figured out that the better way to do it, still not humane at all. Um. But they found that. Rifles were actually better. I think that they're more powerful. More powerful, and I mean, you can, you know, wait for them to come into range and whatever. I mean, that's the reason that hunters use rifles exactly. when they hunt. And they, the government ended up putting a bounty on the birds in 1934. Okay, which was way more successful because now instead of three men with machine guns trying to shoot. God knows how many yeah. birds. Now you're incentivizing now the you're hunting inc of them. We've got thousands of just civilians who most of them were soldiers anyway. They know how to shoot. They've got their own guns. Can take down. I mean. Yeah. One, if if you've got 3,000 citizens and every citizen takes down two, there goes 6,000 birds. Yeah. But, but so between 1945 and 1960. 284,704 emu were killed. Wait, 284,000? Between 1945 and 1960. Oh, okay, so that's over 
couple like 15 decades. years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, that was a lot more than what we Math. started out with. Math. <laughs> the calculus mean. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but I'm, I'm going to say this now, even though there were that many killed, the population is perfectly stable right now. Okay. It's fine. Um, two men during that time were reported to try to pay their taxes with dead emus. <laughs> so they showed up and they were like, got my payment. <laughs> That's really funny. That's not how that works. <laughs> oh man, I I am an animal lover. I I'm a vegetarian. I try to be as like friendly to the environment as possible. But if I could get away with like paying my taxes every year with just like a dead animal, here's a bunny. Yeah. All right, my taxes are paid. Yeah. Honestly, I would probably do it. <laughs> that sounds really awful, but <laughs> I I I would pay my student loans. Do you do you know how Listen, much Listen, I love to fish. I will pay my student loans in fish. Yeah. Let me catch you trout. I, I pay will do it. $500 a month in taxes. Like, yeah, I'll I'll here. Like, I'll I'll become a hunter. <laughs> <laughs> you won't eat it, but I won't eat it. But I'll <laughs> pay my taxes. So you'll, Someone else can eat it. Yeah, I'll eat it. <laughs> yeah, you can I got eat you. It. you. Thanks. Good. <laughs> so, emus today. This is not a very long episode. It might be after all of our <laughs> nonsense. Yeah. But so they are protected under the Environmental Protection and Biodiversity Conservation Act of okay. 1999. Okay. So good. we're all good now. Yeah. There's no open bounty on emus. Do not shoot the emus. Please do not. You can't kill them anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Might as well not even try. Yeah. So what they ended up doing, which was what they fucking should have done to begin with, was just build better fences. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's all they had to do. Because they can't fly over them. No. (laughs) They got little (laughs) wings. Like a T-Rex. I got little arms. And if you just build a sturdy enough fence, what do you think they're going to do? Headbutt it? <laughs> they're just like, oh. Can't go there. Bonk. Okay, can't if go that way. If they can't see the wheat, they don't know it's there. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, emus are actually really good eating. Oh, I know okay. you're vegetarian. That's fine. You know, it's it doesn't fine. bother me. I know. It's fine. But, um, so, some people are actually raising emus and ostriches for that reason, for the meat, because the... For agriculture. Um, the, like, feeding to meat yield ratio is actually really good. So, for... I mean, they're giant they're birds. giant birds. So, for every, like, I think it's, like, one pound of grain or something like that, you get, like, five pounds of meat or there something. You, go. you know? Yeah. It's a good ratio. Yeah. Um... So yeah, that's it. I mean, it's it's not a lot. They were just fucking shit up. And I did on the, and I didn't write this down and I don't know why, but at one point in one of these things, they were like, let's mount the machine gun to the truck and we'll just run them down. Well, not only was the ride so bumpy. Because they're in the outback. They're in the outback. They couldn't aim it. And the truck couldn't keep up, so that didn't work. But apparently, 
one of the emus got their head stuck in the steering wheel of the truck. Oh my god! So they were like, you know what? We're done. Oh my god! Oh my god! That poor bird. Oh no! Oh no! I'm just imagining they're driving this truck and an emu gets his head, and all the cars are going ah, and the emu's going ah, just like sticking. I'm just wait. I'm just thinking of like the other emus that are looking at us like fucking Bobby, get your head out. Steering wheel. That's not what I meant when I said disable the truck. <laughs> Fuck, Bobby. Well, they stopped, didn't they? <laughs> I'm avenging Jerry. <laughs> My indestructible head. <laughs> Interesting. Thank, Thank you. you for that. You're welcome. That was I great. Think. <laughs> I'm glad we were finally covered it. I am too. I am too. Because it was one of my. I was when I really got into it. I was really afraid that it wasn't going to be enough. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to do it so bad that yeah. I was like, "We're we're gonna do it. Yeah. We're gonna do it. it we're gonna make it enough. This is funny enough to where we're half of it's gonna be us laughing anyway. Yeah. So yeah." That's great. I uh, can't wait until next week because guess what next week is, y'all? It's spooky season. season. And we love, love spooky stuff. Spooky, 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 spooky. (laughs) So if uh, anything sounds a little different next week, it is not a fluke. We got some... Oh, because we're getting spooky. Oh, I know. I'm I know. so excited. <laughs> like, like, just fun. We've got things planned yeah. that it's like the dates are getting closer for us to like follow through on those plans. And we're so excited. Yeah. We've so. got some great things planned for you guys, our listeners, that we love so much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm super excited, y'all. We're pumped. Listen, we um, have spent not only all of our time together watching... Um, documentaries but we will watch all of the spooky things i want to watch all the ghost shows i know some of it is staged but i still like the vibe that's fine and like i listen to a lot of paranormal podcasts and my husband thinks i'm weird (laughs) and it's great so (laughs) So, i'm a true crime nerd and so i'm like i like the 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 true crime murder stories. See, I, can't, I don't like. I, see, I don't like like ghost stuff. Freaks me out. Oh my god, true crime stuff freaks me out. Those are real people out there. I I know, and it's very scary. But when people when people start talking about demons and stuff, like I literally get like paralysis <laughs> in my body, and I'm like, oh god. Like I listen. Oh my god, I was in college and this girl was talking to me about how she can feel auras and she was yeah. telling me about some scary stories and I was literally vibrating because I was so scared <laughs> listening. Oh like I listen, okay, I just finished playing Hogwarts Legacy and on the PS4 there's a, a special like level you can play that's yeah. only available on the PS4. I had to quit. I was so scared because there's like a poltergeist and it throws stuff at you and it's like dark and jump scares. I had to quit the game. I literally cried. 
Is this a Lego game you just said? No, no, no. It's it's the new Hogwarts Legacy game. God bless it. I I don't know why my brain was like, see a Lego <laughs> game and you're scared of the Lego game? I, I was... No, I could understand that. Yeah. I did have to quit playing Twilight Prin- Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess a few years ago. We got to the Gerudo Valley level and there's skeletons that come up and my hands were so sweaty that my friend had to take over and finish that area for me because I'm a scaredy cat. <laughs> See, I I don't know why, but like, I don't I don't know. Like, tell me all about the cryptids. I want to hear the ghost oh, stories. Yeah, I want to know if there's a demon in this house. I don't want to go in the house. I want to know it. It scares me. It's probably all the experiences I've had. Yeah. See, I'm not open to that kind of stuff. And like, when I hear about it, I'm like. <laughs> scared <laughs> listen nothing's as bad as when i was a kid so that's true i'm over here vibing now that's true We're good. that's true nothing is scarier but, than what you experience yeah so all right. Yeah. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna go do some spooky. We're gonna have some great things prepared for you guys. Yes. Sorry, I no. keep flipping the little the handle of this bucket that like my microphone's I've resting been slapping on. Slapping this. If you hear slapping noises, it's my hands uh, hitting these leather chairs that we're sitting in because I was laughing too hard. I apparently have to hit things. <laughs> that was a real knee slapper. <laughs> I'm glad we're weird. <laughs> okay. Uh, so if you liked this. <laughs> Bet you did. This was probably a whole different vibe than what we're used to because we're like staring at each other. I know. And the we're table. feeding off each other's crackhead energy. Oh my God. It's like you, you can't feel the vibe in a room through Zoom. No. So if this is a little more, like you said, crackhead energy. It's because this is how we are. Yes, together. together. So if you like this, you can uh, check us out at Ill Equipped History at. No, I was about. I was going to say the Facebook one and then I went to the email. So email <laughs> us at Ill Equipped History at gmail.com. Find us on our Facebook group, Ill Equipped History Podcast, or Instagram, Ill Equipped History. Comment, share, like. Shout it from the rooftops. I don't know. All of the above. All of you know, the above. However you would like to get the word out there. Leave us a review yes. on your listening. Rate us. It does help keep us higher up in um, the ratings and stuff. And yes. we would love to get this thing out to more people. Yes. So, yeah. We're getting some really great feedback and it's making our entire lives. Like, Literally. we're over the moon with the positive feedback we've been getting from so many people. And we definitely squealed like small children earlier when we got when we read a comment together so yes just know if you say something nice you're gonna make our entire week day month whatever you're gonna make it so uh we love you and we'll we'll see you next week next thursday okay bye